Well, do you remember the uh, scene in the movie Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer where uh, Rudolph ends up on the island of misfit toys? You know, where all the toys go that are messed up and they're not fit to go to the houses of the little boys and the little girls? You know, sometimes I think that is how the world sees us as God's people. We say that we have the greatest message that has ever been given to mankind. But most of the time, the world is much better at doing a lot of other things and giving out a lot of other messages. And some of those can be good messages. Many of them are not good messages. Most of the time, though, the the point is to make money, isn't it? The world is a lot better at getting out a message to make money than we are about eternal things and the good news of Jesus Christ. Did you know Jesus even talked about that? In Luke chapter 16, verse 8, he said, The children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. Well, church family, I hope that we're here to change that at New Hope Community Church. Amen? God's work, God's people, this is not a joke. This is not a fiasco. We want it to be strong and we want it to be befitting the service of the King of Kings. Amen? A few months ago, we did a series called the 11th Commandment. And in that series, we talked about uh, John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. In that passage, we learn that God tells us he wants us to love one another. And as we are learning to love one another, as we're practicing that in a community of believers, as we're doing that in this community around us, that God is going to draw people to himself. I hope that series had as much impact on you as it did me. I'm still working on how to love you and others. Amen? But the Bible says that message that we learned in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, it should never stop. We all should keep on working on loving one another. It's something that should, we should start doing, and it should never end. Well, those two things I've just mentioned here are the main reasons we're beginning this new series called Loving on Purpose. Number one, God has told us to love one another. But many times, God's work through his people, us, the church, is done in such a haphazard, bless our hearts, we're trying our best, not... <laughs> kind of way that we miss the opportunity to do this love thing that God's given us to its fullest potential. And I want to just paint for you a a picture of what I believe is is kind of where we're at as a church family. You look at Joshua chapter 3 in the Bible. You see Joshua and the children of Israel. They are preparing. God's been working. He's been building up to this point. He's going to take them to that place called the Promised Land. They're about to cross the Jordan River together. And and, and from what uh, Bible scholars tell us, there could have been as many as 2 million people that were getting ready to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Now, just to give you some perspective, that's like the Albany metropolitan area times two. So we're going to take all of Albany times two across this river to God's great plans for us. And you kind of get the, the impression in that passage that there's kind of a busy camp. It's full of people. But God is beginning. There's kind of a drum roll. It's almost like they're getting ready. You, you, kind of, you, you ever go to those reenactments in Lake George? And you kind of pull up and you hear the... I'm like, man, I'm ready to go to war. I mean, I'm ready to go fight some heads. It feels like we're getting started to do something here. 
Well, that's exactly what was happening in Joshua chapter 3. God was preparing them. He was giving them instructions. He was mobilizing them to move out together for his great purposes. Did you know that is exactly where I see our church family right now? God has been working in this church family. He's been preparing us. We've been on this side of that preparation, but I think all of us sense that God is moving us. Amen? And, and, and that may be symbolically represented by a facility that we're building, but it is not that facility. That's just symbolic. That's symbolic of a new stage, a new phase, a new opportunity that God has set before us. And I believe, and I believe you believe, it's significant. It's strategic. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, he put it like this. We have not passed this way before. (laughs) Boys and girls, we're going somewhere we ain't never been before. Amen? But before we can go over, we've got to get ready. And I just want to ask you this, church family. Can I just ask you? Can I just ask you to, 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 to look down in your heart? Do you want this church family? Do you want God's name to be all that he wants it to be? Do you want it to be beautiful? Do you want this to be a place? Hey, can we, would you go with me on an experiment? I mean, really, New Hope is, uh, sometimes we'll be talking at our pastoral meetings, and I'll say, guys, this is all an experiment. I mean, this is a, we don't know. This is, we're just making this stuff up. Hopefully God's leading us, Amen. But we're just, we're, let's just go on an experiment. I wonder what it could be like. Is it possible that we could be just God's family? Amen? God's family in this world. Does your heart long for that? To do an experiment of what life would look like if we just loved God and loved others to the best of our ability with our best foot forward. I want to ask you, church family, as we get ready to move forward, are you hearing that drum roll? Are you hearing that call that God is calling us to grow in that? If you're with me in that, I want to start this series today called Loving on Purpose. And the first thing I want us to think about is, does anybody know what we're doing? As I thought about that statement this week, I, I thought about Shannon's family because when we first started dating, I remember when I, when I, one of the first things I noticed when we first started dating is I would go over to their house and it was, it was loud. I mean, I'm not talking about like out of control or anything, but it was just the volume of people. There was like five kids, there were two adults, and then I was coming over, so that made eight, and then probably one of her other brothers and sisters had somebody else over, so there's probably, you know, nine, ten people in their house, and I just kind of had to get used to it. There's two people over here scrapping it out in the corner there's one person over here that's blaring the tv there's somebody on the phone talking loud and i was just like at first i was like good grief this is too much information (laughs) now over time actually the lord used that to help me a lot with patience and family and and just learning about youth i was a youth pastor man i got to the point where i could drive a youth bus and i didn't hear people killing each other in the back and i was just like hey just don't fall out the window But being involved in their big family through the years, there's a phrase that I've often heard her sisters or brothers say when we all get together. Does anybody know what we're doing? (laughs) I mean, we've made some plans. We've got together. We're supposed to be having fun. Does anybody know what the plan is? Does anybody know where we're going? If you're going to take a large group of people anywhere together, you've got to have a plan. What's the plan? How does God want us to do that? And that's what we want to begin talking about today. And first of all, I want to share this with you. God expects us to work together. 
God's plan is for us to work together. Now, many times if you mention the word church to people, people will say this to you. They'll make this comment. They'll say, oh, I'm not really for organized religion. Well, I want to make a couple of thoughts about that. First of all, we're not talking about religion, okay? I'm with you, and I'm not just saying this. I am not for religion. I, I, I'm going fishing. I, I mean, it, summer, it, we've got a short window, don't we? The winter's coming. I, I, I want to go fishing. I'm not going to waste my time just punching a spiritual time clock if this is just religion. Religion is man's best efforts for us to get to God. And from what I've seen, from what I've heard from others, it doesn't work. All right. So we're not doing religion, but I am all about a life changing relationship with our creator, God. Amen. I mean, I want some of that. I want to be a part of that. And if you're not for it being organized, I would ask this question. What does that mean? Do you want it to be disorganized? You know, actually, what I really think people are saying is, I wouldn't mind being a part of what God's doing, but I just don't really like what I've seen of church. And that's too bad. The point is not for us to be an organization. The point is for us to be a living, hear me, church family, a living organism. We are the body of Christ. That is different than an organization. An organism has organization, but it's much more than that, isn't it? If we're going to follow Jesus, though, there's got to be some sort of organization. Because, first of all, God's a God of order. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of disorder or chaos. The Bible makes it very clear. I'm so grateful that the Bible says from the foundation of the world, before the, before the world was even created, God had some plans. Amen? God had some things he was planning to do. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, you see very clearly God was very orderly. He had a plan for how creation was going to unfold, and it's just very precise. Day 1, some things happened. Day 2, some things happened. Day 3, some things happened. You study the universe that God created. You study our human body. God does things in an orderly kind of way. But also, he calls us to think about how we're going to do his work like that. He calls us to think about planning and preparation. In Luke chapter 14, Luke 14, verses 28 through 31, Jesus said this, if you're doing something important, you need to think about it. He says in verse 28, he says, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying this, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he's strong enough with 10,000 to, to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Jesus says, when you're doing something that's critical, you need to think through it, you need to make plans. Joshua wouldn't have said to the Israelites, he wouldn't have just got out of his tent one morning, woke up and said, all right, everybody, move out! First of all, if you're talking about 2 million people, if I stood on the edge of Albany times two and said, okay, everybody, here we go. Most of them would not have even heard me, right? So Joshua obviously had some sort of communication plan. Here's how we're going to get the word out. Everybody start getting ready. Everybody get your kids together. Everybody load up. We are heading out. And even if they had heard him, if there was no plan, they would have just trampled each other. Some would have went faster than they, they would have left some people behind at home alone. That was the original home alone. They left somebody because nobody even knew they were moving out. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, we're actually commanded to do God's work with some thought. The Bible says that we are to do things in a decent or in a proper way. It actually literally says to have a good scheme. That sounds like plans, doesn't it? 
We, we should do God's work with a good scheme. And, and then it says after that, we should do it in an orderly way. It actually literally says with a good taxonomy. What's the word taxonomy related to? Don't we use that for how we classify animals in the animal kingdom? It's very orderly. It's precise. We've, got, we've broken it down. If we're going to see God work, if we're going to follow his direction, we've got to get together or it will probably never happen. Remember what I said earlier about the island of the misfits? I mean, isn't it sad that Coca-Cola and Walmart is better at getting their message out than the children of the God of the universe at getting his message out? Does that speak to you like it does me? Now, you know, there are some Christians, I realize, who have the impression that to be organized is unspiritual. There are some Christians who have the impression that to be unorganized is more spiritual. And they'll just say, oh, we just need to let the Spirit lead. Well, listen, I'm all about letting the Spirit lead, but the Spirit can lead in some planning too, amen? The Spirit can lead in some preparation. And then as we go, that doesn't mean after we plan, okay, God, we checked in with you, we're moving on. No, we check with God on the preparation, and then we stay in touch every step of the way. See, that's the way God wants us to do it. God is a God of order. Organization is not wrong. Listen, because some of you like organization. It just should not become our focus. How many kids? You watching the Little League World Series? I love to watch those kids. It's a 71 mile per hour fastball from that kid is like a 96 mile per hour major league. It's cool to watch. How many of those kids are saying, okay, coach, what I'm going to do for the next pitch is I'm going to pull back at this mile per hour. I'm going to hold the ball that's uh, this number of inches long. I'm going to pull it back, and I'm going to do it at this angle, and then it's going to strike that man. Well, we've got to figure the wind speed direction. How many people are doing that? The kid says, just throw the ball, right? But you know what? If you're into physics, you could probably figure out all that stuff, couldn't you? There is, there's some very organized things happen, happening in that process. Plans are not bad servants but they don't make very good bosses. From the bottom line, the good news is this. This is the picture, okay? God wants us to be a community of believers, loving him and loving others. That is our focus, amen? At the end of the day, are we loving God? At the end of the day, are we loving others? But what we're trying to say here today is that's not just going to happen. We're not going to wish that. It's not just going to unfold. We've got to work together to make it happen. The second thing I want to talk to you about this, it's encouraging to me that God shows us how to do that work together. There's several passages that I think are very important for us to understand God's design for how he's planned to work this thing out. Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through the end of that chapter. Now, in this passage, Moses is leading the children of Israel, and his father-in-law shows up, and his father-in-law watches some of what Moses is doing, and and here's what happens. It says, And it came, came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from morning until evening. Now, when Moses' father in law saw all that he was doing for the people, he says, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? And all the people stand about you from morning until evening. So here he was, Moses, just trying to be God's man. Bless his heart. He's trying to do the best he can. He's just trying to serve. He's just trying to love. He's just trying to help. And he says, okay, everybody, I want to help you. So line up. You've got two million people. Line up. 
How can I help you? How can I answer your questions? How can I meet your needs? How can I point you in the right direction or give you some direction from God? Two million people stand in line. How many people do you think Moses might have been able to minister to in one day? I mean, even if, you know, the old boy was pretty fast, a thousand people, right? Well, what is that? One million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand? Is that right? That would be left at the end of the day? And Moses is like, whoo, I'm pooped. And there's still like all those people going, hey, wait just a minute, it ain't dark yet. One more. Moses said, to his father-in-law, the people come to inquire of God, to me, uh, come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me. I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statute of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, "The thing that you are doing is not good." Well, that's encouraging. I've been wearing myself out for God, and you're saying you're messing up. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me, I will give you counsel and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God, then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work that they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens. Let them judge the people at all times and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they, will dis- they themselves will judge. So here's what would happen. It will be easier for you. You're not going to die, Moses, in the process, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. There it is again. But here's what's going to happen for them. And all these people will go to their place in peace. God's purpose was that he, don't miss this, who wants to meet their needs? God is the one who wants to meet the needs. It was in Exodus 3 that God said, I have seen their affliction. Now, I am coming to rescue them. I'm going to lead them. It is God who wanted to do that. Yes, he wanted to work through Moses, but he says, listen, Moses, you are not going to be able to do this. You've got to break the people down into groups. Mark chapter 6, verses 35 through 44. We see the, the story about the feeding of the 5,000. In that passage, Jesus and some of the disciples, they were ministering, and Jesus, they noticed that, you know, hey, it's time to take a break or for them to go get some rest, get something to eat. They were going over to this place where they could be by themselves, and what do you know? Somebody let the word out, and the people cut them off at the pass. You know, they show up at their, at their, at their place where they were going to take their break, and their people are already there. Jesus says, go ahead and minister to them, boys. They minister for a while. Then finally, the disciples are like, you know, we've been patient. We're tired. We're hungry. And in essence, they basically said, Jesus, would you tell them to get out of here? I mean, we don't have enough food to feed all these people. We don't have enough money to buy food for them. It's getting dark. That's what he says down through about verses uh, 37 or so. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. And he commanded them, and listen to this, he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifty. Somebody was counting, weren't they? Somebody was saying, okay, come over here. Okay, we got 40, 50 over here. Okay, well, let's get 98, 99. Okay, one more over here. 100 over here. All right, be still. Jesus has got the fish. He's going to take care of the miracle. We're all going to eat, all right? Now, we could, we could spend a, a, a whole other message talking about the miracle. But we're just looking at how he accomplished it. 
He took the five loaves, two fish, looking up toward heaven. He blessed the food, broke the loaves. He kept giving them to the disciples. So who was distributing? He said, okay, I've got the disciples. And I'm sure he probably said, okay, you guys take care of that group. You guys take care of that group. He kept giving to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. Now look at verse 42. As a result of that, they all ate and were satisfied. And... They picked up 12 full baskets to spare. And by the way, there were 5,000 men that they counted. No telling. They probably had their wives and their children. So there could have been as many as fifteen to 20,000 people. Now again, that was an incredible miracle with five loaves and two fish. Not really a big stretch for God. But, <laughs> but you notice what he did. He broke them down in groups of 150s, and as a result of that, everyone was satisfied, and there were still some left over. Church family, can I just share something with you? I realize we we cannot be perfect. We will not meet every need. We will miss some things, but I want to tell you this, we don't want to. Amen? We, We don't want to. We can't be perfect, but we're going to try to be as close to that as we can in touching as many lives as we can. Whatever that need is, whether that's leading someone to Christ or whether that's helping someone financially or whether that's building a ramp for someone because they need handicap access to their house or whether that's helping somebody find a job. We care about every single one. Amen. Because Jesus says in Luke chapter 15, if he had 100 and and 99 were safe, he just couldn't go to bed. There's still one. Do you hear God's passion for us? Do you hear God's passion for you? Do you hear God's passion for the people that he's going to bring to us? We need to think about that. Amen? We need to think about how does God want us. Now listen again. The point is not the organization. The point is not the preparation. The point is at the end of the day, has everybody had enough? Man, I'm full. And there's still enough if some others walk up. Amen? Another passage, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. We're going to talk about this passage a little bit more um, uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, but I just want to read it to you. Another example, it says, Now at this time, this was in the early church, as the church was get, just getting started, God was doing amazing things. He was touching people's lives. In fact, one Bible teacher said there may have been as many as 20,000 people who had come to know the Lord by Acts chapter 6. Wow. That's amazing. At this time, while that was happening, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose. Surprise, surprise. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. The Bible says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. Okay, if we want our nice little tidy church building, and oh, don't get anything on the carpet, and oh, those, those... Snotty-nosed kids, you know, they keep using all them. You know, they keep bouncing, breaking things. If we want it to be, the best thing to do is not bring any people in. All right? Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to tell you. I got to tell you, my personality, I like things nice and tidy. I told you. God began to use Shannon's family, not because they were bad, but just because just... So much movement of people. I was like, you know, I, I, God began to teach me to be okay with things aren't exactly the way I want them to be. Amen? Things can't always, if you're going to deal with people, it just ain't going to always be nice and tidy. In fact, it ain't even going to be that. 
I can guarantee you there's going to be some problems. Beautiful. God's working, changing lives. A complaint arose. Oh, man. (laughs) On the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Okay, they were just trying to meet needs. And apparently one was missed. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. They chose some men there that are listed. These they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. So they specifically set aside some people to make sure that those needs were being met. Then in verse 7, it says, what does it say happened? The word of God kept on spreading. This was a threat, wasn't it? This was a potential threat. There was a, there was a, there was a place there where God's work could have been put to a halt. But instead of seeing it as a threat, they saw it as an opportunity. An opportunity to say, you know what? This is just bringing up something that we need to address. We need to address that we're not very good at this. And so we've got to get better. We've got to figure out what to do so that this can happen in a more effective way. And then in verse 7, because of that, the word of God kept on spreading. The number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And many of the priests, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious, religious leaders, were coming to know the Lord. No doubt because they respected what they were seeing. Many times they saw, hey, these people are pretty, pretty straight. They know what they're doing. Maybe we should pay attention to this. Isn't that what we're looking for at the end of the day? Not, are we the best at meeting needs? Not, is our program or is our organization a fine, well-oiled machine? That's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for at the end of the day is, is God changing lives? If we're going to be an effective group of people, loving God and loving others, we're going to have to break the people down to groups, and we're going to have to have lots of people working together to make that happen. You can hear that in these verses, can't you? You got 20,000 people, and you break them down into 50s and 100s. Hey, there was a lot of people doing some things, weren't there? Sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, I I just don't want to get involved in the workings of the church. I I just want to worship God. You know what that's kind of like saying? It's kind of like when me and Shannon hear the kids, you know, Mom, I'm not real crazy about setting the table. Um, that whole cleanup thing, yeah, that's not my thing. I just like to eat. Isn't that kind of selfish? I'm just picking. I'm not, my kids, they, they do a good job. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> Daddy's the one saying that some of the time, too. But doesn't that sound kind of selfish? In a dynamic situation where God is working... You need things broken down into smaller sections, and you need all kinds of people working on all sorts of levels of leadership to make that happen. And when it's all said and done, the point is not, oh, we have a nice organizational chart. Look how impressive. (laughs) You know what God will do? God will pull the rug out from under that. If we think we know what we're doing, God will say, go ahead. Try it. I've been there. I I don't want that. The point, though, at the end of the day is that God is working 
People are being loved. Lives are being changed. And more are brought in to the Lord's family. Is that what you want, church family? Are you hungry for that? In 1 Timothy 3, chapter 15, 1, Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy have always meant a lot to me because I remember sitting in my college dorm room. I remember God had called me into ministry and I was a young man. Uh, I didn't have a clue. And, and I remember reading 1 and 2 Timothy because Paul, as, a, as, a, as a, a mature, seasoned veteran of serving the Lord, was talking to young Timothy. He was giving him direction about how to do things in God's family. And in 1 Timothy 3, 14, he says, he says, Timothy, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I can, in case I don't get there, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the gathering of the living, of, of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Paul says there are some things that are important to know and to do in God's work. And it's important that we work hard towards that because this thing we're doing called church This is what God has chosen to work through to touch the world. Isn't that cool? It matters to me. How about you? We need to make sure we're paying attention to God and his direction. Because he's planning on us being it for his message. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 18, I want to encourage you to, to go back and read 1 Corinthians 12. But that whole chapter is basically... The way I like to summarize that chapter is it won't be the same without you. Okay? What I want you to see as we're talking about this is God wants to break us down into groups and you have a particular role to play in that. I believe that God knows who you are. He knows His purposes for your life. If God has led you to New Hope Community Church, to this particular body, He knows what you will bring to His body being a beautiful picture here. And it won't be the same without you. In verse 14, it says, For the body's not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. I can say all I want that, you know, I don't like that, or I don't want to be a part of that. Or, but, you know, it's kind of like uh, if I set an eyeball down here on the I know that's gross. But if I set an eyeball down here on the pulpit, why is it gross? Because it's out of place. Well, there's been an eyeball up here the whole time, and you haven't noticed it. It's right there. <laughs> It's in the right place. It's in the body. It's working. It would be weird for an eyeball to not be in the body fulfilling its purpose. And if it wasn't there, there would be some things that wouldn't be working right. Isn't that true? Every member of the body is critical. Every part of the body. He says... Even, because I'm not an eye, I'm not, somebody might say I'm not part of the body, but it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But God, but now God has placed the members, the body parts, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member or one body part, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. God has called us. To work together. And the human body is a great analogy, isn't it? The purpose of my life is not to figure out biologically, anatomically, how my body works. Okay? That's fine to learn in college, biology class. Some people might take it a little bit further if they're going to study the human body. But most of us, we're not really super concerned. It just bothers me that my elbow's hurting. Right? Or that, that I can't see as well as I used to see. Okay, it's the body is given not for the organization, but it's given for a particular function to fulfill. 
Today I want to ask you this, church family. Do you have that heart? Does it bother you that the world sees us as a bunch of misfits? <laughs> what we're doing is a joke. And I'm not saying does that bother you because you're taking that personal. I'm saying does it bother you because you love Jesus Christ and you want him to be in all of his glory in this world. Does that bother you today? Do you want to be a part of changing that? I can't think of anything more exciting to be a part of than God's body working in this world. The amazing message that we have to share. And I want to do everything I can. And that's lots of different levels. But I want to do everything I can to make this thing that we're doing called New Hope, Body of Christ, Church Family, as beautiful as it can possibly be. So I want to ask you this. Are you involved in changing that image? Are you participating? Are you contributing in making this? Many times when people get to be a part of a church family, especially if things maybe seem to be going well or some, you know, there's some good things happening, a lot of times people think my role is not important. Please, that is not true. That is not true. Even if some things that are going on right now may be going well, there may be something else that God wants going on. And you not being a part is going to hurt the body of Christ being all that God wants it to be. Are you involved with the Lord and His work? First of all, do you know Him? Do you know Him as your personal Savior? Are you in His family? You know, I believe every one of us has in us a desire to belong, don't we? We know we're supposed to be part of something. I really believe that can be lots of different things that we can enjoy and be a part of, but ultimately that is only fulfilled by being a part of God's family. Nothing else will, will, will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Today, if you are not a Christian, if you've never accepted Christ, if you have never had your sins washed away, today I pray that you would just say, Jesus, I'm in. I, I want to be a part of this. I want to give my life to you. If you are a Christian here this morning, I want to ask you, you said you were in. And maybe at one point in your life you were. Sometimes people come to our church and they'll say, yeah, I've done my time. I've served. You know, this is kind of a twilight of my spiritual life. I'm just kind of going to hang out. Then we're the wrong place. Because we believe God's got a place for everybody. <laughs> you're still on the clock if you're alive today. Amen? You let God decide when he's done with you. You know, even if a lady came to me, I've seen many ladies, elderly, getting on up in years, say, Pastor Robbie, you know, how could I contribute? I want to tell you what. Major. Prayer warriors. You have a role to play. Are you fulfilling that role? We help us be all that God wants us to be. This morning we're going to have an invitation, like we do every week, but I want to challenge you as we come to this time, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that maybe in these moments you would call out to Him and receive that gift. Yes, Jesus, I believe in You. I trust in You. I give my life to You. Please forgive me of my sins. If you're a Christian today, is God speaking to you about surrendering your life in a fresh way to Him, about some area of getting involved or, or making an impact for Him or making this thing called church beautiful to the world around us? I'm going to be available down front. If you'd like to pray with somebody, like to talk to somebody about that decision. But we're going to do something a little bit different this morning as well. 
on my vision retreat, I just spend time seeking the Lord and just crying out to God and just asking him for his direction. God, what do you want us to do? What are your plans for this next year? Make sure that we're in line with you. And one of the things that just kind of came to the surface, I don't know exactly what it means, church family, but we have to be. It's, not a, it's, 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 it's non-negotiable. We have to be a people of prayer. I don't know all that that means. But if we are not willing to call out to God, I don't believe God's going to bless us. This morning, I want to ask, maybe God would just put on your heart just to come forward and pray for our church family. I want to ask many people just to come forward. I think I think it'd be awesome to God if this weekend he just saw us saying, God, I don't know what, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I, I love you, Lord, and, and I'm seeking you. And I care about my church family. And God, I care about this community that, that so desperately needs you. I care about Thailand and so many other missions that we're going to do around the world to see your name spread. And God, we don't know how to do that. We don't have the resources to do it. And God, it's just not going to happen without you. Do you believe that? That building project is not going to happen without a mighty movement of God. It's not going to happen. Are you desperate for him? I want to challenge you this morning, just many of you, just to come forward as we begin to sing here in just a minute. And, and as we kind of wrap up the invitations, I sh- sh- talk with a few people. If they come forward, then I'll begin to wrap that up and then we can return back to our seats. But would you just with me just come before the Lord and let's call out to him and ask him, God, help us as we move forward.